we got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the dim. It go down. It go down in the dim. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. Get the knowledge you need to advance your mortgage practice quickly and efficiently from Jen Duplessis, America's Mortgage Mastery Mentor with over 37 years of experience and over $1 billion in lifetime fundings. Jen has been mentoring loan officers and realtors for over 15 years and speaking on stages across the globe. So settle in and get ready as Jen and her guests share their experience passion, and strategies to help you crack the top producer code to reach new heights in your business. And now, here's your host, Jen Duplessis, Mortgage Mastery Mentor and Head Chicken Charge of Kinetic Spark Consulting. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to Mortgage Lending Mastery. I'm your host, Jen Duplessis. Would you expect anybody else in here after all this time? <laughs> I don't know why I still say that, but I do. Uh, but I always want to show gratitude and thank you for listening and taking time out of your busy day to hear what we have to say, um, you know, in this podcast every week. So thank you. Thank you for taking time out of your busy day. And by the way, thank you for all your feedback. I love receiving emails. I love receiving texts and uh, DMs. I'm getting a lot of those from everyone saying, thank you. That one was great. And this one was great. So we really appreciate all that feedback, uh, you know, letting us know what you're liking about, you know, moving forward in the mortgage real estate and investor worlds. So with that said, today's guest is Phil Treadwell. And actually, you're a retread on here, Mr. Treadwell. <laughs> I am. I absolutely am. Yeah, this is twice you've been on this show. So, um, you know, and I love doing that. And, you know, I actually have something called Beyond the Podcast. It's not a podcast itself, but I do uh, Facebook Lives for people that have been on the show. And we do sort of this, where are they now, you know, a year after being on the show. So we do that a lot too. But let me take this opportunity to introduce you to everyone who may not know you. Uh, Phil Treadwell is a mindset coach, national speaker and podcaster. He's the founder of M1 Academy, which I'm going to figure out what that's about, and the host of the Mortgage Marketing Expert podcast. So you want to make sure that you're going over to his podcast and following his podcast as well. He regularly speaks to mortgage and real estate professionals and collaborates with industry thought leaders across the country. He has received numerous awards, including the 40 Most Influential Under 40, which I can no longer qualify for. I'll tell you, if they did a 60 under 60, I'm good for like another nine months. 
and then I'm good, <laughs> right? Um, by by uh, National Mortgage Professional Magazine and the top 20 mortgage professionals by Yahoo Finance. So, um, and I've known Phil for many, many years. We've, uh, we, we're part of the syndicate, right? We're part of the industry syndicate together. And, um, you know, that's, that's exciting. But which, by the way, for those of you that don't know what that is, that's a conglomerate of podcasters that are um, for mortgage and real estate. That's what the syndicate is. So, um, just excited to have you here today. Welcome. Well, I'm I'm so thankful to be back and humbled because, you know, you've been a trailblazer in this industry and as a podcaster. And so I appreciate what you've done. And I'm just excited to be back and have a cool conversation. Yeah, me too. Okay, so here's how we're going to start this off. So I've called since uh, 2019, I have called the 20s, the soaring 20s. We had the roaring 20s. I have always called it the soaring 20s. I know a lot of people were saying, oh, it's 2020. Do you have 2020 vision? No, I call it the soaring 20s, <laughs> right? What are you doing to soar in 20 in the 2020s? That's a great question. So I think it's interesting. I'm 18, almost 19 years in this business, and I've been through a couple of cycles and, and everything is completely different and everything is exactly the same. Everything's exactly the same because it's still about relationships. It's still about, you know, building business and, and providing value to people, but how we deliver that value and how we connect with people is completely different. The first year I was in the business, I was handing out black and white flyers going office to office. And, and now we're talking about, you know, social media and algorithms and, and all these other things. So I think it's really about how do we continue to do what's really cool in this industry and and provide value in this industry in a way that's relevant to people, right? We've got a lot of people that have been doing this a really long time. And the majority of those people aren't interested in doing it any different than they've done before. And we have this, you know, Amazonification of the world, if you will, where when I go online and I go look at a product, especially in the DFW area, if I can't get it today or next day, I just look for another product, right? We all do those types of things whenever we're shopping online or in any other vertical, but then we come into the mortgage industry and we're sending emails of, you know, 25 paper documents that they're supposed to sign or provide for us. And it just kind of makes you wonder why in the world do we live our life one way and then in our industry not want to progress into a more modern and relevant way. So yeah. that's really been my theme for the last four or five years is how do we continue to do our industry better? How do we continue to move it to a more modern and relevant place? and get past some of these stigmas that we have of, oh, the mortgage process is so tough to, you know, to get through. And I don't want to buy a house because getting a mortgage is so tough. We can reframe that and realize we're in a position to help people achieve their short and long-term financial goals, right? We can help them create passive income. We can help create net worth. And so it's just a matter of how do we do that in a way that consumers and partners want to work with us as opposed to us just being that obligatory part of the industry that people have to come to. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that. I think that that's important. I, I was writing down a couple of things here, you know, that, that come to mind. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm first going to say a couple of things. Then I want to ask you this question. Um, you know, I think it's the difference between being bitter or being better. And I think that that um, a lot of people are bitter right now in our industry, you know, uh, because they've had it really smooth. Even people that have, well, and you just said 18, 20 years, you're an anomaly. There are anomalies out there. But when I look at, I'm March 1st is 40 years for me. And 
um, when I when I look at that and I think about the last 20 years, um, and it probably isn't 20, but I would say the last 10 years, if you've been in the business for 10 years, then a lot of people are finding themselves being a 10-1 loan officer right now, which I've coined for years and years, you know, in the business 10 years, one year at a time, no growth, no anything, um, and no lessons yeah. learned through these ups and downs, and especially through COVID. You now know you're you're operationally perfect. You got it. You know how to do a loan. But the lack of sales is what concerns me moving forward. And um, I think that there's a lot of people who are hibernating and not hyper-focusing right now. And I think this is the time to do it. This is the time to forge new relationships. Um, so saying that, yes. Second part is, uh, Grant Cardone says this, best known beats best every time. Best known yes. beats best Absolutely. every time. So you're a great mechanical steward of your industry. You can run numbers, you can make a loan happen, but are you best known? And this is where obviously social media comes in, where you're elevating yourself as an influencer so that you can create these relationships. So this is where it gets down to the relationship question is that um, you're like everybody sure. else, including myself, saying that relationships are still the main key. We all agree that top producers know relationships are the key. Then why in the heck aren't people moving forward with relationships? What in the heck is going on? If you know this is the deal, what are you waiting for? Why are you sitting around and not creating more relationships and more value? Um, so I want to get your take on this. We already know this. We sound like a broken record, but it's not happening and that's where people are going to fail. And you're going to talk about failure in a minute too. Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree. I, I think when, when it comes to building business, there's a difference between marketing and sales, right? Marketing is what gets someone's attention and they need to keep their attention by creating a relationship or continuing to add value. But sales is whenever you actually create a customer and a transaction happens yeah. and focusing on this marketing piece and getting someone's attention, effective marketing is the balance of trust and attention. In an age of social media, I can light myself on fire and put it on TikTok and go viral and get a ton of attention, but that doesn't mean that I've actually created any trust that people wanna do business with me. But to your point, someone could be the best at what they do, a great number cruncher, structuring loans, all of this knowledge, but if no one knows who they are, they're still capped in the amount of business that they're gonna be able to do. So we have to find a balance of being a good practitioner of our industry, but also being able to be a celebrity in our community, if you will. That's the whole point of building a quote unquote personal brand. And I know that a lot of people don't like the term personal brand. Yeah. So, you know, in, in M1 Academy and in our workshops and things like that, we talk, we reframe it to just digitizing your reputation. Yeah. How do we take who you are and what you do and put it online? And that's really the answer of what people need to do is you need to share who you are. You need to talk about what you do, but it can't be a commercial, right? I come from a world, you know, growing up where there was three channels and if the president was on your night was shot, but whenever there were too many commercials, what did you do? You changed the channel. And that's what's happened with so many social media. They're continuing to try to sell people as opposed to add value and market. And that really leads into the question that you asked is why aren't people creating the relationships, it's because people aren't engaging with their content. They're not engaging with, they're not asking questions and providing value that people want to. And I would say the easiest way to change that, here's a tactical tip for people. If you're putting out content and people aren't engaging with it, or if you're not even sure how to do that, let's say, 
if you want to create more leads, you need to start more conversations. And the way to start more conversations is to engage in other people's content, right? So if if someone's out there putting out a video, if they're putting out a post of any kind, especially for your intended audience, whether that's referral partners, whether that's consumers and clients, regardless of who it is that you're wanting to develop a relationship with, if you go to their content and you put some type of meaningful engagement, you put a comment on there, you know, you reply to one of their stories and it goes to their DMs, they're going to be able to reply to you. They're going to, especially if they don't know who you are. What happens on one of your posts or videos when someone comments on that and you don't know who the heck they are? Well, you, you go look at their profile. You go see yeah. who they are, right? You want to show And gratitude. so that's exactly what we need. Yeah. Exactly. So gratitude's a huge part of this is adding value, putting meaningful comments, having conversations with people. And once you start a conversation, as long as you don't immediately try to sell, as long as you try to have some, uh, you know, conversation, find some connection, find some commonalities like you would if you were you know, sitting in a department store outside of a dressing room, or you're sitting in the lobby of a restaurant waiting for your seat and you started up a conversation, you don't immediately start saying, oh, I'm a loan officer. Do you need a loan? I mean, some people probably do that, but that's not the most effective way. What you need to do is get to know them, find out that, you know, both of your cousins went to the same high school or you grew up in the same area. These are basic things that people need to understand, find out what commonalities are. That's the root of a relationship. It's why whenever we meet someone that we don't know, we often will talk about the weather first. It's the one thing we know we have in common with that person at that time. Yeah. And so we just need to find more of those things. And that's the root to that, that relationship piece. Yeah, I, I think that's brilliant. And I mean, again, it gets back to, are you going to do it right? Um, you know, so it, this is what I would sum from that, from what you just said is stop liking and stop hearting and stop showing crybaby emojis. Stop doing that. Take the moment to write a comment. And what I coach my clients on is your comment needs to be longer than everybody else's. So it gets the most attention, right? So don't just say cool, yeah. neat. Yay. <laughs> right. Good job. Talk, talk about the comment. Wow. That's so profound. I love that. I love how great you are. That is so cool. I love this. Right. In, in like having more of that and you're right with the DMS, you know, I get a lot of requests. I'm sure you do too. I'm, I'm like 4,997 people. I'm going to have to go through and get rid of some people in my Facebook. I don't know why they max it. It's so stupid, but, um, you know, so I keep going, go over to my page, go over to my page. Um, but as soon as someone friends me and the next thing I get is, hey, I was looking at your website and I think you need something. To me, that is diagnosis with it's malpractice, right? Immediately unfriend, immediately. I don't even bother. I don't care who you are, unfriend, unfriend you. And, um, and I think that that's something that we need to understand is that adding value is not just adding a comment. It's not just DMing somebody. Adding value is truly adding value. Um, here's another thing I wrote down, right? I'm all about, I think anybody who knows me, I'm all about these comparisons. Don't work with people that complicate, only work with people that compliment. Are you in demand? Or are you on demand? Right? I said, are you bitter or better? This one is stop being superficial and be a submarine, right? The superficial relationships aren't going to work. Don't be you. surface. Don't be surface, be submarine, dive deep, figure out these relationships. The other thing I want to say about this is 
I love that you say commonality, right? What, what, what do we have that's in common? For those of you that are listening here, um, common is the word you need to use. Not, I want to sit with you and have coffee so we can see if we're a good fit. I can fit you into me. You have a deal. I want to do the loan. It's a fit. That's a fit. What you want is to see if you have common interest in working together. That's what you want to, to be exploring with people. So I love that you said that um, because that is the commonality, you know, that I think is so important. So what comments do you have based on what I just said there? You know, I, I think the there's there's so much that we could unpack on this, but what I think people need to understand is they're making it too complicated. Yeah. We just need to do what we do in person as humans in creating relationships and making friends. And we need to do it online. Social media yeah. is about being social. It's not just a media platform, but we've turned it into a media and advertising platform. And then we wonder why we're not creating any relationships. We'll take it back to being social. And all of a sudden the relationship aspect com comes right back into play. Just like you said. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, again, you know, hopefully everyone's hearing this because this is what we're talking about. These relationships, you have to take the relationships online and bring them offline and really have, you know, strong relationships with people. Where do you think loan officers get snagged once they've got them? Let's just, we, we're on this podcast. We can say that I got them. I'm going to meet them. I'm so excited. I'm driving there and I hope they like me. I hope they like me. I hope they like me. Right. Where do you think they fall short in actually creating a relationship? They don't ask enough questions. They I think that we walk into these meetings. Yeah, we, we walk into these meetings and we decide we're going to sell them today. We're going to make them like us, make them love us, and they're going to send me business today. That isn't how any other relationship happens. If you're in a dating relationship, you don't go on a first date and say, I'm going to propose and get this person to marry me today. We don't go into any other type of business relationship on any corporate level and say, after one meeting, we're going to close this huge sale. And so we all of a sudden walk into these conversations wanting to spend more time talking about ourselves and what we can offer as opposed to asking them about them. And I don't have all the science behind it, but what I do know is that most people, whatever the statistic is, feel like a conversation went well if they talked more than the other person. So if you want a realtor or a potential partner to feel good about the conversation and like how the conversation went, ask them enough questions that they were the ones that talked the most. And the other part of that is you can ask questions that actually help you in your business. Instead of asking them, what's your biggest pain point? What are you looking for from a loan officer? Ask, what's your biggest focus for 2023? You guys had an awesome 2022. I know you got big plans. What's your biggest focus? More often than not, when you ask them what their focus is going to be, they're going to tell you their pain point or the thing that they're trying to improve. And you may have a solution for that. Ask them about why they did certain things. What was significant about certain things? These are basic leading questions where people want to share about their life. They want to share about their business. And you're able to create the information to do exactly what we just talked about is find commonalities. And all of a sudden, you're able to offer benefit, which leads me to another quick point that I think is super important. 
there's a difference between features and benefit. And we have a big challenge in the mortgage and real estate industry of listing off all these features. Here's the loan programs we have and these tools that we have and these cool things we can do. And they forget that people don't care because we've not shown how that benefits them. You know, an easy example is whenever there was 25 offers on every house, they'd be like, oh, well, we have a TBD underwrite program. And they're talking about all these things as opposed to asking a realtor, hey, how many offers does it take a client, like when you're working with a buyer, about how many houses are they having to make offers on? When we asked these questions with our team, it was, you know, four or five or six and say, well, we have a program where we can fully underwrite a, a buyer on a front up to a certain amount where they're fully approved. It's not pre-approved. They're fully underwriter approved. Right. And it's essentially a same as cash offer. Do you think that that would help you? That's something of benefit to them. So we need to stop talking about all the things we can do. And we need to have conversations and show how what we can do can benefit them. And the only way you're going to find that out is if you start asking more questions. Yeah, I love that. You know, this gets back to features, advantages, and benefits, right? The whole the whole traditional sales of fab that we you know, have, have heard about, heard about yeah. a long time ago. You know, one of the things that, that worked for me, I just want to share, share this with everybody is that when you're saying a feature in order, it's, so again, most people, like you said, most people stop at feature. Hey, we can close on time. <laughs> right? Whoop-de-doo. Everybody's right. expected to do that. Right. So Good we job. can close on time. <laughs> I don't know why I pulled that one out to use as an example here, but we can close <laughs> on time. But if you, if you finish that sentence with this, we can close on time, which means you'll get yourself to the benefit. Yeah. Right. Which means, and that's, that's your exactly tie-in, right. that's your tie-in. So if you're saying we have a 30-year fixed, which means, which is so silly, that's a ridiculous, right? But I love customizing 30-year fixed rate mortgages. I say, oh, we customize 30-year fixed rate mortgages all the time. People are like, what? What are you talking about? There's so many features to it, right? But you have to say, which means, which means. So what if we get you the 25, I call it the Super Saver 25. It's a 25-year loan, Super Saver 25. You know, I want to talk to you about the Super Saver 25, and here's why. Let me put some context behind, which means, right? This is why I'm sharing that with you. I think just some simple scripting like that of which means, um, and find some other words that work for, to uh, to attach to different examples will remind you to get to the benefit every single time. That's right. Right. You and, know, and yeah, another piece of this is you can do the same thing with clients, mm -hmm. right? When you're when you're talking to a client, typically in that initial consult, they come and they have a thousand loan questions and they have all of these things they want to know about the process. And something that every loan officer needs to do is say, hey, we're going to answer all those questions. But before we do, I just want to let you know how excited I am for you that you're in the home buying journey. And I just like to know what's significant about this home purchase for you. Mm -hmm. We're essentially asking why are they buying a home? But when you ask someone why, right, it's a defensive question. And, and if I said, you know, Jen, why are you wearing that outfit today? Right. That's a defensive question as opposed to, hey, Jen, what's significant about that outfit today? So yeah. when you ask them, they're going to give you an answer. And then in turn, say, give some validation. That's really cool. I'm, you know, we, they want to own a home. Hey, that's part of the American dream. What's significant about owning a home for you? And what happens is when you ask that two or three times, you actually get to their real why, 
what they really want to accomplish there. And so just like you were talking about, these little scripting things allow us to gain an advantage. So then when we get to the, the basic loan questions, they know that, or the assumption is that you're basing those loan questions on their specific situation. And it also makes them a stickier buyer because if they go talk to another lender and that lender is not asking them the same questions, then all of a sudden you have a leg up, you have an advantage here. And so I think that what you're talking about is extremely important for people to do because that's how you find out how to provide benefit for the features. You just have to understand, you need to pause the conversation, you need to just don't get so excited to sell a referral partner, to sell a client and get to know them for a second. They will appreciate it and you'll be that much more armed to actually close the sale. Yeah. And I love that because when you do get to the, you know, I, I always tell everybody, put, let's push the paperwork aside. Let's push it aside. I, you know, cause you know how clients are, they come in and they, and they have their paper. I'm saying when they do, right. I, I know we're in a digital age and I'm, I'm not that far out of being a lender. Okay. I know that um, it's only been a couple of years, but um, you know, we have to push the paperwork aside and we have to get to the point where we know them. And I, I love what you're saying is, uh, you know, diving into the significance, you know, so that when you do say, hey, you know what I think, I think a strategy of having a 25 year loan would be fantastic for you. And here's why I want to do that. You know, going back to what's significant to you, you right. said you wanted blah, blah, blah. So it's a it's it's keeping an open loop and, and reflective, you know, as part of the PECA of overcoming objections, which I'm not going to go into. But um, yeah, I think that's I think that's very powerful. And I think, um, you know, this gets back to I always say uh, slow down so you can speed up instead of speeding up to slow down, because what we do is when we speed through that front process, it we get stuck all the way through by them saying, I got a, somebody called me because you pulled my credit. I saw an ad for this. Something happened here. I, you know, my friend got at other rate. So that slows you down because you sped through the front. When you don't do that, when you slow down in the front and you create that bond and that relationship and that stickiness and differentiate yourself from the next person they're going to be calling because they are. Are you crazy? They're going to call many people. I don't know why we think we're the only ones. They're going to call other people. This is what's going to allow you to speed through the process and get to the, the end result, right? So I want to talk a little yes. bit about, and this is one of the things you like talking about, failure. What are people getting wrong about failure? Other, Well, and I, I'm just going to ask you the question, other than what I think it might be, right? But what is what are people getting wrong about failure? And why is, give me some context around why this is something you like talking about. Yeah, this is a great question. The reason, well, the, the first part of the question is what are people getting wrong about it? And the thing that people are getting wrong is because we grew up in school, academia teaches us that failure is on one side and success is on the other, right? Mm -hmm. You can't fail every quiz, fail every test and still be a success, right? If, if you do that, even if you learned everything that you got wrong in academia, you're a quote unquote failure. So we've gotten it twisted that we have to turn one way or another. And if we go towards, you know, if we don't go towards success, we don't actually achieve something that we're a failure. When every successful person that I've ever met, that I've ever talked to, been mentored by, had on the podcast, yourself included, understands that we actually go through failure to get to success. Every time we fail, we have an opportunity to learn something. We have an opportunity to find that next level so that we can actually achieve success. 
success is about consistent and persistent effort over time. And we're going to have failure. It's a part of life. We need to embrace it. We need to not be scared by it. And most of the time, people are like, well, I'm not scared of failure. And I would agree. Most of us have failed and we're not scared of that failure. But in the back of our minds, there's a lot of people that are scared of other people seeing us fail. And we that causes hesitation. The reason I'm so passionate about talking about this is this happens every single day in our life. We question decisions, even small ones, because of what other people think because of whether or not we're actually going to succeed in something. And we have to realize that that is actually how you get to success. Yeah. And I just want people to understand if you will focus and every time a failure happens, just check it off the box. Hey, that was one more thing I needed to get through. You know, it's as basic as if we tracked how many referral partner conversations, let's say, or those coffee appointments we were talking about a second ago, how many of those do you need to have before you got a referral that ended up into a closed loan, right? Let's just say that was 50 and you made a $5,000 commission for easy math. Then every time you had a coffee appointment, you can say, I made a hundred bucks. I made a hundred bucks. I made a hundred bucks. And instead of seeing them as failure, because you didn't get a referral or you got a referral that didn't close, you can see that is that's the process that I had to go through. And so it's just reframing it on our minds. Technically, if you spent time and money trying to develop a relationships with someone that didn't go anywhere, that's a failure, but we're okay with that. Cause like, Oh, well, that's just part of it. Exactly. That's my point. Even if it's a big, massive, huge failure in your life, that was just part of your process. That was just part of what you needed to do. And so I'm a very big mindset guy. This is one of the things in that mindset focus that's super important is understanding that failure is part of the process. We need to embrace it. And the more we embrace it and realize I didn't actually fail because I learned something and now I'm that much closer to my goal, all of a sudden the whole stigma around it goes away. Yeah. I think you bring up a really key point that I want to just express again. You just said it is that I learned through the failure. So where, um, in your perspective, where do you think that that it, I think that's an issue because there are people who are doing the same thing, you know, the whole insanity quote, you know, doing the same thing over and over is that I I'm going through the motions. I just want to make sure we tie this together. I need to fail. That's okay. It, I always akin this to that's the no, no, no to the yes, right? No, 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 no. Finally got the yes. So I just need to get through five more no's and then I'll get my yes. And that's where the push is. So it's the same thing. But people that don't learn through their failure are going to continue to get, I wouldn't say failure. I, you know, I'm not going to use, I don't even like the word, right? I have a problem with it, but, but Give us some strategies on how we, you know, if we have a situation where we walked out of a meeting and we didn't get a referral or they decided they didn't want to work with us. So let's say that, you know, it's just not going to happen. Um, or we walked out and gave ourselves a virtual high five because we thought it went really good and then nothing happened. Crickets, right? How do we yeah. walk through? Is there a process? Is there two steps, three steps where we stop, drop and roll, right? Where we stop, increase the awareness write it down, journal it, something. What could we do so that we increase the awareness of any, oh, I hate that word, failure, so that we can learn from it rather than just assessing that it was a failure? Yeah, that's a great question. And my answer to that is, is a process that I call the three E's, effort, 
effectiveness and efficiency. And effort is just the work that we're doing. Just like you said, journal it, track it, put it in a spreadsheet, write down everything that you do, everything that you did. When you go to a coffee appointment, take five minutes, write down what you talked about, uh, you know, who talked the majority of the time, what were the topics, whatever, whatever, even where you went, was it noisy? Was it not try to give as much information as possible. When you do a social media post, when you do a video that gets traction, track your effort. The next thing is the effectiveness. What worked? What did I actually get results from? And from in, in that effort, in that data, you're going to start identifying patterns and then once you know what you're effective at, you then in turn go to the third part, which is efficiency, and you're going to stack your entire day and entire week only doing those things that got you results that you were effective at. Now, there is some interpretation around what worked and what didn't, and I get that. But the concept is all of a sudden you're not looking at the failure piece you're looking at what worked. I'm listing all the stuff that I did and I'm not focusing on the things that didn't work. I'm focusing on the things that did. And then I'm going to increase my batting average and become very efficient by stacking those end to end. So it can be time tracking. It can be listing your, your uh, activities, your sales, your marketing, whatever it is, but you've got to find something that works for you so that you have the data to go back and look, what's my effort? What was I effective at? And how does that help me become efficient? Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love what you're saying. Um, I was trying to put another E in there for you. I'm trying to find another E because I think the first E for me, and I, I don't have the word for it, but I think the first is to, um, to have awareness to do those things, you know, is to have that awareness. Hey, I, how do I feel? I feel this way, emotion, maybe it's emotion. Like what is the emotion you're experiencing as a result of that meeting? And if that emotion is elated, I'm elated, it's still going through those. Why am I elated? And then if it, the emotion is that I feel failure, then I can go through and, and answer the questions from that perspective as well. So maybe it's emotion as a first, because I, I feel like I, I would, am I gonna remember what was my effort? I think I wanna say, how do I feel? What's my emotion right now to increase yeah. that awareness, to take those actions, to write down effort, effective and efficiency. So um, not that I'm changing your thing. I just, I'm always thinking, I'm always thinking. No, I think that's great. No, I think it's great. I, I think you uh, do have to trigger? take a second. Yeah. yeah I think you do have to. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I like that a lot. I, I think that to your point, there has to be some emotional trigger in there. And we, we may, we may add that as the fourth E because if you think about books, we read that we liked TV shows that we liked or didn't like, you know, social media content, it's because they all make us feel something. So when you're walking away from a coffee appointment or from anything that you did, you're going to feel something about it. And mm -hmm. so that's where you, that's what you need to be writing down because chances are the other person, the other party that you're you know, collaborating with in this marketing or having the coffee appointment with whoever, they're walking away feeling something too. And that's really what is important is overall, how do you feel about that? What were the details that contributed to that specific feeling? Yeah, I love that. I think we need to put four E's or three E's, just put a big E in front of your computer or a big E right in front of your odometer in your car right? <laughs> to remind you, oh, that's right. 
I need to walk through this process, right? To figure out what it, you know, what it is. So I love that. I absolutely love that. Um, and I think that's really important. Okay. Last thing that we need to talk about in the time that we have together, we have just a few more minutes left. Um, let's talk about the difference between a plan and a strategy. Now I'm, I get it, but I bet you're going to, I'm going to learn something from you. I'm mm -hmm. sure it is. Um, the difference between a plan and a strategy, because, uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'm not going to tell you my take on it, but, you know, given the fact that we're recording this in January, right, of 2023, um, everyone, I hope, already has their business plan done. I work on a fiscal year. My business plan is done September 30th. And all of the fourth quarter, I work on momentum, creating momentum so that I hit the road running in January rather than creating it in January and hitting the road running in mid-March, right? Um so a plan is a yeah. plan, a plan. I, I get it. Plan. I wrote my plan. I wrote it out. Whatever means you all do it. If you even do it, right? I just, I wrote my plan, but now we just run out there and we do. And I know you're going to talk about the strategy. Mm -hmm. So bring us, bring us into how do we make sure this gets executed on? Yeah. So the way that I frame it is a strategy is theoretical. Our assumption is that if we do X, we're going to achieve or get to Y. A strategy, you can't control all of the elements. It's right. it's a, a theory, it's a hypothesis, whatever you want to call it. The plan are things that we can control. There are habits, there are action steps, there are budgets and resources and finite things that we can control in a plan. We can't control whether or not the strategy works. So what we want to do is we want to create the strategy of, we'll just use a real world example. If I post a video every single day trying to add value to my intended audience and I uh, engage with a certain number of people and really create my script for when someone responds or gives me a call, that's going to lead to a certain level of volume or results or whatever. The plan are all of those action steps, videos, engaging, whatever. We can control that, but we can't control whether the strategy actually happens. So there's also strategic planning, which I won't muddy the waters, but there's a lot of really good content on this. It's really changed the way that I thought about things, especially when you're talking about goal setting and business planning. Your goals are essentially what you're wanting to accomplish so then you want to work backwards and say, what's the best strategy to attain that goal? And once you've kind of developed the strategy of what you think is going to work, you can create a very detailed plan. And that's where your weekly habits or your weekly non-negotiables, your daily habits, those, those core principles, that's when those come into effect because we have the ability to control those things, but we don't necessarily have the ability to control all of the things that go on in our strategy. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. I love it. It reminds me of a story. I always have something to come back at. It reminds me of a story. You know, if I want to go to the store, I go and get my car, but my car doesn't work. Right. And as I'm, and I say, okay, fine, I'll walk. And as I'm walking, all the sprinklers come on. So then I find a, a skateboard and I, oh, I'll take the skateboard with me until a neighbor says, Hey, do you want to ride? Yes, I do. I still made it to the store. I had a strategy. Right but it got awry, but I still went to my store. And it's because I have the habit of looking around at opportunities and saying, okay, that's not the end of the world. What else? Now, what can I look at? What's next? Bring it on, baby. 
right? And and I think that's where you come, you your to your point, you come back to these habits that you have, um, create who you are. And if you are lack those habits, then you just say, fine, I won't go to the store because my car doesn't run. I guess I won't hit my goals this year. And that those habits are what give you that perseverance that keeps going on. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. I hope yeah. everyone got that. If I you totally agree. Know, and I also think that. <laughs> no, I'm sorry to mean to speak over you, but yeah. Um, no, I think if you didn't get that point that, that Phil made is rewind this and listen again and listen slow instead of one and a half, listen and a half or something and really get that, really understand it. Go ahead, Phil. All I was going to say was that I think that the strategy can be flawed, right? And and I, I interviewed a, a Navy SEAL on my podcast recently, and we were having a conversation about this. They have a mission that they're going to accomplish, right? That's the goal. Mm -hmm. They have plans and an overall strategy of what they're trying to accomplish. Let's say it's a rescue mission. That's the goal. The strategy is if we come in in a very you know, quiet way and, you know, X, Y, Z, we're going to be able to rescue that person, but you're going to have different sets of plans so that if one plan doesn't work to execute the strategy, you have another set of plans. You can do different things. And here's the thing, your strategy may be flawed to begin with, to achieve that goal. And that's okay too. But too often to your point earlier, we abandon the strategy because we've only tried one or two plans or Worse yet, we didn't actually execute on the plan to begin with. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly it. I love it. I love it. That's beautiful. I love that comparison. It's really clear. I, I, you know, we fully understand that. I love it. Okay. So let's, let's wrap this up into a bow. What, what would you like to say or leave with our, with our audience? You know, um, gosh, I think I probably asked you about a book once before. Sometimes it's, you know, I'm reading a book. Sometimes I'm listening to a podcast. Sometimes it's just something that you heard that's resonating with you over a period of a week or so. Um, but, but because we're talking about plans and strategies and relationships and some social media pieces to it, tie all this together. And what do you want to say to the listeners to ensure that they take action. Uh, that was a great question because that was exactly what I was going to say. There's a lot going on right now in our business and in the world and in the markets and, and all of these things. And we founded M1 Academy and M1 stands for mindset first. I believe mindset is the most important thing because our mindset controls our attitude and our actions. And those are really the only two things that we have control over. We can't control our circumstances. We can't control what other people do. We can't control what happens to us, but we can control our attitude and our actions. So when we're talking about our social media content, when we're talking about these plans that we have and the strategies that we've created, you need to make sure and get your mind right and get in a good place, get in a good attitude so that you're most effective in those action steps that you're taking in those daily habits in those weekly non-negotiables. By the same token, if you don't have a great attitude, if you're just kind of in a bad place, the best way to fix that is to go take action, go create confidence, go get some results or go fail and pull yourself out of it. Go get frustrated. Go Any emotion that's going to change that frequency is a positive thing. So what's top of mind right now for me, most of the content I'm listening to, most of the content we're creating and the conversations we're having with, with our clients 
is around having the right mindset, getting our attitude and our actions lined up because all of the stuff that's going on in the market doesn't matter. Create your plan, create your strategy, know what your goals are, and then just put your head down and stay consistent and persistent. And that's how you're going to succeed this year. Yeah, I love it. I'm telling everyone, stop hibernating, start hyper-focusing, right? If we are focusing, we can create, you know, the, the um, oh my gosh, I, I say it all the time and now I can't say it here. Focus to accelerate, right? We can accelerate everything. Um, you know, I think it's interesting. I know that you didn't talk about mindset forever. This is new and not, not new, new for you, but maybe, you know, over a period of time, because I've known you for a while. Um, it's interesting because, uh, you know, it's a revelation that I had too. even five years ago when I, four and a half years ago, when I left lending, you know, as a loan officer, um, everything for me was, uh, the mechanics, the tools, the strategies, the systems, the efficiencies, the, the technical pieces of it, right. All the mechanics. And that's when I started saying mindset plus mechanics equals momentum. And I've really stretched myself personally over the last four or five years. And it's why I hold masterminds. It's why I hold retreats because I want these breakthroughs of mindset. We are such a technical industry and we're such an industry that has a, a heavy coat of armor on front of us that doesn't show any weakness for fear of um, what, what everyone's going to think for fear of uh, someone won't work with me because they think I've got a weakness. When in fact, what we need to be doing is poking holes in this. And those holes come from inside. It's not outside, right? It comes from inside. You can't go to a conference and get motivated and that's going to poke holes in you. You have to do some inspirational work to poke holes in yourself so that people can see the true you, not know what you do, but who you are so that we can gain trust like you said in the beginning. And that's yeah. how you're going to get business. Yeah, I love it. Okay, last words. The last thing I'll say is that I, I totally agree with what you're talking about. Our mindset is also a biological part of our body. And we need to realize that you cannot have a good mindset when you don't feel good. Mm -hmm. You have to take care of yourself physically so that you can take care of the part of your body, your brain, that's going to affect that mindset and put you in the right place. I truly believe right now in the industry, a lot of loan officers, mortgage professionals know what to do. They know the action steps that they should be taking. They know the plans and the strategies and all these things. There's a lot of great tactical content out there. And I think a lot of people know a lot of it. The reason we're really going to focus on the mindset piece of it, and we're still doing a ton of tactical coaching and workshops, but the reason this mindset comes first on the top of that list is there's a reason why people aren't doing it. There's a reason they're not taking action. There's a reason why they haven't achieved those goals whenever they've had all the capability to do it. And it all comes down to mindset. Bingo. Absolutely. I totally agree. 100, 1,000%, 1,000%. Phil, it's been a pleasure having you on the show again. Thank you so much for bringing on this. I think this is the timing is perfect for this right now. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on out there, a lot of white noise that we need to just get rid of. Um, so I appreciate that. And for those of you that are listening in, if you loved what you heard from Phil, uh, reach out to Phil, let him know that you heard about it from this podcast. And, uh, you know, I just wish you all the best in these soaring 20s. Same for you, Phil. I wish you the best in all these soaring 20s. And I hope I see you on stage someplace soon. <laughs> Hopefully we yes. won't be in well, these Well, thank you boxes. so much for having me again.
Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. So <laughs> well, thank you so much. Yeah. Everybody, thank you again for listening in and please take a minute just to scroll down, give us a great five-star rating, write a great comment in here about what you learned from Phil. What's a takeaway? What's a golden nugget that you're going to put into play? Because we love seeing that feedback from everybody and we love having um, having these testimonials, right? We want to know that what we're delivering to you is what you're asking for or what you're needing, I should say, what you really need. So again, thank you for sharing time with us today and we will catch you next time on Mortgage Lending Mastery. Take care. Bye, Phil. See ya. Thanks for listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. Be sure to subscribe to hear more sales tips, ideas, strategies, and tactics to help you with your personal and professional growth to multiply your results in record time. And if you like what we're doing, don't forget to give us a rating and review so we can continue to bring you the best content possible. Wanting more beyond the podcast? Join our Mortgage Lending Mastery membership community where you will find extended interviews with our favorite guests, weekly training, tips, and insider secrets, fireside chats with Jen, free content, meet, share, and collaborate with other members, and so much more. Click the link in the show notes to learn more about this exclusive content. Mortgage Lending Mastery is an industry syndicate charter podcast. Industry Syndicate is the first podcast network specifically for the mortgage and real estate industries. Get the Industry Syndicate app in the App Store or Google Play today.